I was born into a world you may not understand. Hello, and welcome to Exploding Helicopters, a podcast that sinks its oversized canines into films where helicopters explode. Now, it's been 20 years since Mila Jovovich crashed into the lives of movie fans when she landed violently on the roof of Bruce Willis's taxi in The Fifth Element. Since then, the former supermodel has carved out a career as one of the leading ladies of the action genre, most notably in the six-film-strong Resident Evil series. But while she's perhaps best known for battling zombies, Al Miller has also faced off against that other great enemy of classic horror, vampires. So on this show, we're looking at the 2006 film Ultraviolet. As usual, I've got someone alongside me to help review the film. He sucks the life out of everyone he meets, and I'd love to drive <laughs> a stake through his heart. With me once again is my good friend, Ara. How you doing, buddy? Hello, world. How are we? Well, I'm pretty good. Uh, I don't know what sort of state uh, I am going to find you in, though, today, because uh, I fear what your reaction to uh, watching this film might be. But uh, for those of you who are regular listeners, and I think there may be one or two of you, uh, this is a very special episode because it's the much-promised uh, Milojovovich special. And, you know, I have to thank Dara. You're you're here and you're helping me make my dreams come true because uh, Milojovovich is uh, an actor who holds a very special... Uh, place in my heart but uh, uh yeah i'm not i and really don't well i i've got a rough idea why you might like her but in terms of this film i i honestly feel like you're punishing me for something will <laughs> uh, you know i come it's the, out the goodness of my heart i take up my time watch these films write up notes try and be as professional as possible with the hope you know sort of outside chance that Will's put me in the direction of a film I've not seen before, which I might quite like, and it might have, you know, some excitement. And then you do this to me. How long have we known each other, Will? Why have you done this to me? Well, I mean, it's been, uh, it's, po- it's possibly about 30 years we've known each other, Dara, now. A frightening, 30 years. A frightening 30. length of time. But I would uh, have been out of, uh, if I'd killed like a, a battalion of people, I would have been out by now <laughs> and not have to suffer this rubbish. No, I'm not, I'm not going to take that much uh, abuse from you because I know what a diva you are when it comes to uh, the, fil- the films that you will and won't, won't watch on this podcast. And I have been treating you very nicely of late. I've given oh. you some films that you've genuinely enjoyed. So, okay. you know. No, you're no. well overdue something that you can uh, bitch and gripe about fair enough and this was your birthday present well so let's exactly. not forget that exactly right. you can't okay. begrudge me that i'll let you off now obviously we're talking about a, an actress that uh, i carry somewhat of a torch for but uh, uh, it, that made me wonder dara though uh, you know, are there any actresses uh, out there that uh, that you uh, hold a bit of a candle for so that's a good question will i like these early questions which i'm unprepared for so <laughs> I, you know, I always wondered about people who would go to the cinema because they fancied a female actress. I always found that a bit curious, a bit odd, because especially these days, you can get your fill, so to speak, <laughs> inverted commas, judge of it what you will, on the internet of your favourite actress without having to go and see her in a film with, you know, pretty much all of her clothes on. You know, it's unnecessary. I personally don't understand it. There are, of, of course, as... Uh, you know, a red, red blooded heterosexual. There are women that I like in the cinematic universe. I used to quite like, um, I, I like the ones, I've had this discussion with my girlfriend a few times. I kind of like the actresses who are not sort of, uh, model types. I like them who are a bit curious looking facially. I don't know if you consider, would you consider Uma Thurman to be a model type? I quite like her. Well, she's very striking looking. I would agree. She, she, she's got an, un, a slightly unconventional look about her. But that's uh, what I like. That's what I like. Okay. That's what floats my boat. Those kind of women. 
So you would possibly drag yourself out of your decrepit hovel to go and see an Uma Thurman movie. Not particularly, no. <laughs> I wouldn't. And that's my point. I, and I that... like her and she's pretty, but I, would I go to see a film? I'd rather the film was good, Will. Can you, you understand that? I'd rather the film was good. That's not a concept I'm familiar with. Darling. Yeah, all right, okay. Okay, I think it's time to get stuck into Ultraviolet. But before we do that, let's listen to Trailer Man deliver a classically structured voiceover. They made her a weapon. Killing is what I do. It's what I'm good at. They made her a target. The humans want me. You jeopardize everything by coming here. I don't have any place left to go, Garth. Besides, you have all my guns. And in the final days of mankind's greatest war... This is pure suicide. No one but you could have put this off. She will decide their fate. Ultraviolet takes place in a dystopian future in the years following a global epidemic that causes people to have vampire-like symptoms, superhuman physical abilities and elongated canines. The government has been taken over by a militant medical group called the Arch Ministry, who round up infected citizens and exterminate them in an effort to contain the virus. Our hero is a woman called Violet, who is a member of an underground resistance fighting to protect the vampires, or haemophages as they're known here. Working with the resistance, Violet steals a weapon that's supposed to kill off all the haemophages. However, the weapon turns out to be a young boy. The resistance want to kill the child to end the threat he poses to the haemophages, but believing that the child could hold the key to finding a cure for the disease, Violet goes on the run with the sprog. There's then a whole bunch of complicated plot twists about the kid, the virus and the nature of the government, which for the sake of brevity I'm not going to go into. Ultraviolet was written and directed by Kurt Wimmer, who is perhaps best known as a writer, having scripted Sphere, The Recruit and the remakes of Point Break and Total Recall. He also wrote and directed Equilibrium, uh, a sci-fi film which has got a bit of a cult following. Ultraviolet stars Milijovic as Violet. Uh, it also has William Fickner in it as well, uh, but no one else you've really heard of. Uh, Ultraviolet has a rating of... Uh, of sadly just 4.4 on IMDb and a rating of uh, a very miserly rating on Rotten Tomatoes of 9%. That's high. That's high. <laughs> it's fair to say that the critics didn't like this film. Woefully nonsensical from start to finish and unengaging, uninspired and unwatchable are just two of the kinder reviews. But uh, never mind what other people thought. Dara, what do you think of uh, Ultraviolet? Let me add to that. A criminal waste of time, Empire <laughs> Magazine, which is kind of how I felt when I watched the film. Inept in every regard. Ra- rather, rather than ultraviolet, this is ultra rubbish. <laughs> Probably the worst film I've ever reviewed for Exploding <laughs> Helicopter. Absolutely horrendous, really. Pretty much from the start to finish. Actually, saying that, the very, very beginning I enjoyed, when the kind of comic book sequence that was leading up into the beginning of the film mm. with the credits. I got enjoyed that. I thought, oh, it's a bit like a, a Marvel-type thing they've done that. I quite enjoyed how that that worked. And then when the film actually finished, completely finished, and then I started to read the reviews about this film on Rotten Tomatoes, and just the, the, the avalanche of hatred directed towards it was funnier than anything that <laughs> happened in the film. This is like a completely humorless mishmash of ideas done badly, effects done so poorly, the sort of thing you'd expect to see from like a Super Nintendo or something. 
horrendous horrendous pretty much in every regard acting awful plot awful i didn't care about the characters after about 10 minutes when i you're just going from one stupid unreasonable sequence to another Uh, absolutely awful a terrible terrible film are you feeling better now now you've let that all out i've I've got more to come trust me (laughs) well i i am afraid to say i can't really disagree with you i mean this is a this is a this is a terrible film it is it is awful for the for the reasons that you that you say the plot is an absolute mess of a a movie and uh, you get a very early idea of just what a mess it is in the fact that the the sort of the first two or three minutes of this movie are a sort of unending voiceover from Milijovich where they just desperately try to sort of dump a whole load of information on you to try uh, in a failed attempt to make the rest of the movie make sense but sadly uh, yeah despite all of that yapping uh, none of the plot really makes uh, that much of uh, that much sense. And uh, I mean, the, the... You, well, what do you think? What do you think happened here? Was it another one of these cases where, in the edit, because I was reading something about this film, how apparently there's extended. You, if you're mental, you could buy the DVD of this film, and there's extended <laughs> release, and there's lots of cutscenes, and lots of it explains motivations. Because this is one of the things this film does not have. Mm. It literally, you don't care about any of these characters. There's no motivation. There's no kind of framework for why they are behaving in their in the way that they should. There's some veiled references at the beginning that uh, Jovovich's character was pregnant, loses a child, and that's why she's got a bond with this kid and why she she seemingly gives up everything to try and save him even though she met him like two seconds ago why some of the characters sort of behave in a really extreme ways there's because a bit more exposition but they cut loads of those scenes out is it the one good thing about this film i'd say it's it's short it's under an hour and a half thank the lord but uh, i think it may have might have benefited slightly if it some of these kind of you know the kind of you, you wanted more of ultraviolet you oh, wanted more no, of it. i don't know well when i i just i I don't know how a film, apparently the $30 million was spent on this film, how a film with that much money and presumably intelligent people, writers and directors and actors and all sorts, how this film gets made and it gets goes into the cinema. It's so appalling without someone saying this is absolute bull****. We, we've got to do a rewrite. We've got to do something else. We've got to change the styling of it. It's so bad. How does this film get out into the cinema? I, I, I don't know if adding in some of the uh, – because I think they cut about 15, 20 minutes out of this movie. I don't know if adding those 15, 20 minutes back in would actually be enough because there are so many missing questions. There's so many questions still left in this film that I just don't think that, you know, 15 or 20 minutes – would be enough in order to to make the you know what we see on screen here make sense uh, you know i almost think a, a film twice the length would probably still be struggling to uh, to convey all of the sort of mishmash of uh, ideas that are at work here but um do you, yeah do you know why the hammer so presumably these the people who caught the virus uh, suddenly they turned into vampires that was the what i got yeah so what why, why? what what sort of virus turns you into a vampire and why does every vampire have to be an expert in martial arts does it make you an expert does it teach you martial arts as well this well the idea the idea was that this virus was created because uh, and this is in the voiceover at the beginning that they were trying to um it was like a kind of secret government weapons program they were trying to create super you know like genetic super Super soldiers soldiers type thing so that's why you then have the sort of uh, superhuman abilities, although it doesn't really explain why 
they grow long canines and start no. becoming like vampires. And that's an element of the film which is completely undeveloped because we don't see these characters behaving in ways which are typical of vampires, i.e. No. problems with sunlight or yeah. even desiring desiring blood. blood. It's all very peculiar. I don't know if that is that those were sequences that were that were left on the cutting room floor, but it's emblematic of like one of the biggest this film's biggest problems, which is the world in which it's depicting is barely fleshed out. Uh-huh. And so you have this very sort of complicated uh, war between humans and these sort of hemophages taking place in in a future world where you've got this sort of bizarre religious medical government department essentially running the whole country but you don't you don't really understand what is going on like within the wider society and um yeah i i think the first third of this movie uh i I probably enjoyed it uh a bit for a bit longer than you did i think the first third of this movie is actually probably okay because there's quite a lot of forward motion in the plot there's quite a lot of uh essentially it's one sort of long sort of variety of chase sequences yes you might not know what on earth is going on but at least you know you're seeing sequences which are like sequences you've seen in other films before so yeah exactly that's all you've always got going for it even the fight sequences they're so are sort of unrealistic i know you you get in in sort of uh chinese uh, martial arts and japanese martial arts wire work and stuff like that where they, people do crazy things but it's kind of set in a context of reality where you know you could maybe buy it or but it's just it's so implausible and it's so it's just it, I just didn't believe. I think, you know, the important thing of a film to try and get you involved is you've got kind of have have a belief in the characters and what they're doing. And as you said, there's no framework. There's no sort of explanation. People are kind of doing things. You don't really understand their motivations. And these kind of like they're almost just like set pieces, fight set sequences where she just kills everybody and nothing can touch her and. You don't really mm. understand why and what they just—it's meant for like adolescents, I imagine, because it's mm. you know you've, it's a lot of comic book roboty fighting with Miller Miller's ass kind of <laughs> liberally spread around, so you could see that she knows what she's there for. Mm. I would imagine it would appeal to like an eleven-year-old child, but I think even for eleven-year-old child, they would get bored of this film. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the the action in this movie because uh, I, I think you've already alluded to it. Uh, it, you know, this is meant to be a sort of an action movie, but uh, the action in it is is really quite um, it's it's really anticlimactic because mm. you know you'll see sort of Milojovovich will be in a scene, she'll be surrounded by sort of dozen or fifteen kind of heavily armed men and then suddenly with one swoosh of a sword or sort of one burst of quick gunfire she she will suddenly have dispatched all of those people so you just think oh i thought that was going to be a big fight scene and you know just suddenly yeah. everyone's dead it's it's really odd um, i mean the whole kind of special effects and design there's is this weird sheen that's over mm. everything which kind of it's almost like a computer game where they've tried to make it look even though it's not a computer game they've tried to there's like a like a filter that they put on to that kind of makes her look less human it just it just looks really odd it, it doesn't look it, it adds to the kind of disassociation you feel because you just feel like this is just not real i don't really care about any of this and some of the effects is, is weird because obviously must have spent a bit of money on the effects but when you get to sort of explosion there's a the, the scene well we'll talk about exploding helicopter but there's a scene when she's riding a bike and there's bits where she's turning a corner it's almost like it's joddering you see it actually 
really visibly low CGI, awful. Like, I don't understand. I think $30 million isn't enough to make. It should make. buy you better CGI than this. But is it? I don't think it's enough in these. Do you think it co- I think it must cost more to make a film of this nature. Because why would you make such a poor show of the CGI? Why would you do it if you've got that much money to spend? Surely you'd see that. Anyone could see that and say, this is actually really kind of sixth form. It's really poor. Should we not redo that scene or, or pay someone a better design company? Well, I, I guess they just you know had spent the money and there's no more money to spend so they got to, they got to roll with it but uh yeah i mean uh, it is hard to sort of remember what the state of cgi was you know back in you know back 12 years ago but i'm pretty certain it was of a better quality than what we what we see here i think perhaps they rely i think the issue is they perhaps rely on cgi too much there's clearly yeah. whole sequences in this film which are just complete green screen and you know i think in in other films they've got sets which they and you know and they then augment it with cgi and you know perhaps a combination like that would have worked better perhaps they wouldn't have been able to do some of the things that they do do in this movie in terms of the the cityscapes you know, mm. without using holy CGI, but... Um, but they look bad. They they it, look it really all, bad. It does look awful. I agree with you. There's, 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 this whole film has this really wor- weird burnt out effect. It's like someone's messed around with the contrast on, like, your television. There's a, just a very strange quality to the to the colours. It's like the there's, like, too much brightness in the, in the mix, and it, it becomes slightly... Um, it, it's very distracting. Uh, as you watch, yeah, yeah, as you watch this film. Yeah, I, I don't. I, it was a big. Whoever the sort of production design person was, they. I don't think they'd be working again. There's no. <laughs> there's no person would look them up to say, "I'd like my film mm. to look like this." It just looks really odd and unrealistic. A lot of futuristic, like, like things like a Blade Runner set in the future. Like it's kind of almost prides itself. If you compare someone like Blade Runner, yeah, I can imagine a lot of money was spent on Blade Runner to get those effects looking as good as they did. But you just compare that to this. And it honestly is like the work of a, a sixth former or someone in a first year at university. That's the kind of it's really sh- really someone with li- very limited budget or limited skills or limited technology. I mean, when was this film actually made? Well, probably produced in, I don't know, 2005, something it's like not, that. So it's not it's not ancient. It's reasonably no. if you think of other uh, you know huge films that have come out. Um, even before that, with we well, had I mean, like I, the in '99, I think it was you had both the matrix and the first um and the phantom menace came out which you know that obviously used uh, an awful lot of cgi and you know the matrix you know uh, used a lot of cgi obviously it's both of those films yeah. to much better effect than this film is using they obviously had more money um, yeah. and probably better talented people to... working on it yeah i don't know it must be a combination of money i mean this this is a lesson for anyone if you want to do one of these films, you need money and also you, you need the people to make your vision work. But with the, with that kind of, I suppose, a meagerly meager budget. I mean, they didn't spend much money on the actors because, as you said before, you don't recognize anyone apart from our friend William Fitcher. Fincher. Fincher, Fincher? Uh, I'm going with Fickner. Fickner? Well, I'd say Fickner. He, he's, he's kind of a character actor. He's probably the only one in the whole film who could actually act. His little scenes... Like, mm. a re- like an oasis of, of acting <laughs> class amongst the kind of nonsense and just, oh, God. I, well, I, 
I'm giving up. I'm losing the plot. Okay, well, I I tell you what, I need you to rally one more time because I'm going to mount a slight defense of uh, ultraviolet because I am not going to make any defense of the way in which this film executes the ideas that it has. But I do think there is evidence of lots of ideas at work in this film. So there are... This I'm interested to hear, Will. Come on, let's you go. Know, so you have this um, idea of, you know, so, the, for, so for instance, the costumes of the characters. There's, you know, there's clearly an imagination at work. You know, everybody is dressed in a very elaborate way. You have these almost maybe stormtroopery type guards who have these... It's just copied, they're just copied ideas from someone else. Uh... There's, nothing, there's no original ideas in this film at all. I, only... dis- I disagree with that. I mean, they're, they're, they have these little devices, these kind of like video scrolls, which they kind of unveil to, to display information. Um, there's the there's these kind of strange. There's the, also this this concept within the film of like dimension compressing so that, uh, you know, sort of blades can sort of disappear into sort of, you know, perhaps the, the size, something the size of a knife. Um, there are these weird, you know, I guess it's the idea of the society that they live in where people are afraid of infection. So people have these strange things like plugging up their nostrils. That's not, it's, it's straight, people being afraid of infection, that's not a, a new idea. But the, the, the phone yeah, but having their noses plugged and, up is, where have well, you seen that before? The only guy who had the nose, his nose plugged up was the, the main evil guy. They, not everyone had that. A lot of people had proper masks on. He was the only person who had one of those things. Well, I think, uh, well, as I say, I think if you look at the costumes, you look at the, the set design, you look at some of the gadgets that people have in this in this particular world. I, I think there is there are a lot of ideas, you know, they, they there are a lot of ideas at work in this movie. I'm, I'm making no defense of the execution of them. You know, they are often hapless, pointless or poorly done. But I don't think you can accuse this film of having not attempted to be highly creative. Nice try, Will, but you're not going to get a date with Miller. She's, she, you've got a restraining order on you. You're not allowed to go within 500 yards of her. The, the judge has told you that. No amount of trying to big up this film is going to change. She's moved on, I'm afraid. Well, let's talk about uh, Miller Jovovich, my favourite subject. You know, obviously, <laughs> I am a big fan. Did you see anything in this movie that could possibly convert you to being of the same uh, opinion? Uh, her midriff. Her, I think. I think perhaps... She has it in her contract, or perhaps in this film, that she has to show her extremely toned and alive midriff on at all at, times. Pretty much at, at all times. Uh, any any coverage of that midriff will result in financial penalties to production company and to the producers. <laughs> I'll be, I be honest with you, I don't want to be too harsh on her, because I, I read her bio, and she is actually someone who's tried a few things in her career. Uh, we'll talk a bit about apparently you know she's got a bit of a music career going on she's got a fashion line you know she's uh speaks out on various different issues so obviously an intelligent person this film is not going to highlight her, her best qualities i mean i'm thinking even meryl streep would have struggled with the this toilet material that she had to deal with so i didn't i wasn't that excited about her performance she's not really I didn't believe that she was a kick-ass person who could kill everyone. I didn't really believe it. She's, you know, quite fit that can do, you know, because she can duck and dive a little bit. I could, didn't believe one second that she could, this is, you know, assassin that she was portrayed in this film. She's not really very charismatic in this film. I don't think she's got much opportunity to be charismatic. She's there because she's good looking, very good looking, and she's very fit. 
and that's as much as best I can say for her really well. Uh, okay, well, I think you're uh, perhaps overlooking some of her, her qualities as a, as a leading lady. I, I think she's got something, uh, I, you know, I would compare her almost to being a sort of uh, a female Clint Eastwood in the sense that she's got the same sort of quietly spoken sort of uh, steeliness about her character, doesn't necessarily always display very much um, sort of uh, emotionally on her face. But I think she definitely has... Uh, a presence which she brings to these movies and uh, she is not sadly a sort of a trained martial artist or anything like that so you know when she's doing the kind of you know to believe her as a uh, as an action lead you need the choreography in the movie to be good um, sadly mm. the choreography here is really bad so mm. you know it's very clear that people are moving in direction in different directions because they're anticipating blows coming <laughs> in those in those directions so it's almost like uh uh, it's almost like watching a choreographed dance rather than uh, watching a fight sequence. But, yeah, uh, uh, I think there were some decisions made about which bits to cut, which weren't obviously her decision or even the director's decision, apparently, to reduce another uh, situation here where I think the studio, to get bums on seats, reduced the rating of the film from mm. what it might have been uh, to, uh, I think it was um, like a PG or a 12 or something. I don't know what that translates to in the U.S., but, you know, it's a, a film that you could take a, ch- a child, a teenager would be able to get into because there's no blood. There's, you know, there's about a billion yeah. people get killed in this film. Guns and bullets and knives and swords. But no, no, no kind of you never see a wound or anything. Mm. It's kind of hamstrung itself in many ways uh, in order for this to sort of, you know, to try yeah. and to appeal to as many people as possible. I mean, I have to say, I also do have a soft spot for for, for Miller as well, on the basis that she, uh, you know, having said that, uh, I think she reminds me a bit of Clint Eastwood. I also think that uh, she reminds me uh, of uh, Rutger Hauer, a sort of female Rutger Hauer, (laughs) only in the sense that like Uh. Rutger Hauer, Miller Jovovich has appeared in one good sci-fi film, The Fifth Element. Uh, Rutger Hauer obviously starred in in Blade Runner. And he starred in that film and he was able to kind of parlay that sort of success in Blade Runner into a very lengthy career in straight to video uh, sci-fi uh, movies. And Miljovic seems to have done pretty much the same thing. So having established herself in this sort of sci-fi niche, she's then sort of plowed away in that mm. furrow pretty much exclusively since then. So I, I, I kind of think, yeah, she, I, I say, I think she is sort of uh, the female Rutger Hauer. Didn't Rock Howard, he was in The Hitcher as well, though, wasn't he? He was, yes. He was good in The Hitcher, so yeah, I haven't seen That's The Resident Evil. That's two good films. Okay, I couldn't, I'm struggling to think of a third film, <laughs> and probably I will come back to you on that one. So I haven't seen The Resident Evil series, mm. but you are a fan, I believe. I am a big fan of those movies. I think they are uh, a bit of a mixed bag. I think some are some are better than others. Um, the kind of the thing, the weird thing about the Resident Evil movies is that um, uh, Miljovic uh, made them with the, the kind of the main honcho behind the Resident Evil films is a guy called Paul W S Anderson, who is now Miljovic's husband. Husband, yeah. And so whilst he he's written all of the films and directed um, three or four of them. But the best films tend to be the ones that he didn't direct. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's a bit of a sort of um, I don't know if that's something she's noticed as well or not. You know, I I do sometimes wonder as to whether that is ever discussed in their in their marriage that, you know, the kind of the best films that they, they make together tend to be 
well, with other people. That tends to be with other people. But well, uh, she she was married to Luke Besson as well, mm-hmm. who would, who directed Fifth Element, and then they had a parting of the ways. Well, she's already she 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 has actually been married three times. So she uh, married Paul W S Anderson after working with him on Resident Evil. She also okay. married Luke Besson after working with him on The Fifth Element. And her first marriage was to a guy. I think his name's Sean Andrews, who she worked with on Dazed and Confused. Oh, so basically. The dream, Dara. The dream is I need to engineer an opportunity to work with Milijovic because then it's on. It's on, Dara. So the, that karate, that karate kid script we've got in the, the pipeline that's brewing. We need to get her as a, a female love interest. We need to get you in, the, you know, either producer, probably producer, yep. stroke director, and uh, you know, you can you can call the shots on the casting. Yeah, I, I have to have Mila for her acting chops. She really is the <laughs> the you know the only person who generation. can bring my vision to life. Yeah, with Mister Miyagi out of the grave. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Will I think I think we've got a plan for you. Mm. Well, you you did mention it earlier that. Uh, that uh, you know, Miller is a, is a is a lady who has many strings to her bow, and uh, I, I tipped you off about her music career. And yeah. uh, even after you watched Ultraviolet and uh, you were being very grumpy, I, I managed to persuade you to uh, to sample some of her music. So uh, you know, yeah. I wondered uh, what you made of the uh, different songs that uh, you checked out. What a what a treat this was. This is you know. <laughs> I'm a, I like to think I'm a man of, you know, of uh, worldly taste. I, I see, I hear a lot of music in my time. I like all sorts of genres. Here. So, uh, interesting. I would probably put her songs in the sort of folky-ish territory. She likes a guitar. She likes a stool. Uh, so <laughs> I've, I've seen, so that, you know, I was treated, I, I looked at, there was one that she did a cover of Proud Mary, which uh, halfway through she, does it? She's got an interesting take on her, on singing. I have to say, she starts off quite traditionally, but then does like to kind of go into sort of bizarre mm. kind of screaming yodel, tuneless kind of wailing odds. And both the songs that I listened to halfway through, I was like, what is going on with this sort of warble? It's she's weird. Got, she's got. I think she's actually got a, a you know quite a good voice. It's definitely an yeah. interesting voice. It's just very frequently she doesn't seem to use it in any way normally associated with singing a melody singing. yeah it's weird it's it's interesting it's a brave take on singing i don't think i'll be going and getting her back catalogue anytime soon but i have to say you know i've there's been a lot of dissing and a lot of negativity i don't like to be completely negative i hold my hands up to anyone who wants to try different things she's someone who doesn't think she's just an actress she wants to do loads of different things so you know i i completely understand what she wants to uh broaden her horizons and i applaud her for that i don't i won't be buying anything that she's ever ever does that's my only stipulation okay we are gonna take a quick break and uh once we do that you're gonna hear about a much superior podcast uh, to the one you're currently listening to but when we come back we're going to be talking about a very special exploding helicopter he brings the popcorn she brings the roses Subject Cinema, a tasty new film topic each week with a side order of film reviews. Yum. T.C. Kirkham. But I'm Jim. Kim Brown. What? Over half a million listeners, and you could be the next one. SubjectCinema.com Real movies for real people. We're back, and we're talking about exploding helicopters. 
So after stealing the superweapon from the Arch Ministry, Miller makes her escape from the building on a motorcycle pursued by a heavily armed attack helicopter. In a reality-bending sequence, Jovovich rides up the side of a building. Arriving on the roof of the skyscraper, Miller rides her iron horse straight at the copter, which is hovering nearby. Jovovich roars off the top of the building through the open sides of the helicopter. As she passes through, Miller shoots the pilot and gunner dead before crashing through into another building. For a then indeterminate reason, the helicopter explodes. Dara, what did you make of the chopper fireball action? Well, it comes reasonably early in the film, and I have to say... Once, se- once I watched the sequence, I actually generally lolled. I, I <laughs> laughed out loud how ridiculous the whole thing. Because because you're not really, it's not really explained how she's got these powers to sort of change gravity, and it's completely ridiculous. Completely, there's no point to it in the film. It, I don't mind that. <laughs> if it was just that, that would be, still be okay because. We love exploding helicopter and we like to see it done, you know, in interesting ways. But the effects are so shoddy. In this particular sequence, is probably the shoddiest part of the whole film. As I was saying before, there's bits where she turns corners on the bike where it looks, it generally looks like something from the 70s, like a Tron, uh, you know, before Tron mm. was made even, where it kind of this, the bike kind of skids around a corner in juddery fashion and the explosions are really bad. You can see it's all blue, it's all green screen, so you, you can... It's so obvious the CGI is so appalling. It is, it's something out of a cheap computer game I would have played as a kid. It looks that bad, genuinely that bad. I'm not exaggerating. Well, plaudits should be given at least for trying to have a, something interesting, uh, even though it's a bit of a cliche, exploding a helicopter. And they, you know, it's uh, quite a big pit set piece. It's so badly done and it's, it's laughable. I didn't enjoy it as much as I could have done. Oh, you, you've got no heart, Dara. You, you, you're dead inside. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to defend the execution again of this, the special effects here, but you know, I, I applaud this film for giving us this outrageous, uh, exploding helicopter sequence. I mean, she cycles through, uh, the, an actual airborne helicopter. You know, I, I know, I don't need to have every element of the physics of the scene explained to me in terms of the gravity. Don't I don't need, need to, I don't need yeah, to know why that helicopter explodes. I just want it to explode. It looks good. <laughs> That is that's as much as I need. It doesn't look good. That's number one. And number two, it's so unbelievable that you don't care. It's because you know it's so CGI'd and so fake that it could be she could be riding through the stomach of an elephant. (laughs) You just it's so pointless and so badly done that you, you know it's not happened. So I don't. It doesn't impress me. What impresses me is something that looks realistic. You think, well, how the how do they do that? Or was that cgi was it not how do they get that shot you know it's cgi and you've got no interest in whether it works or doesn't work because you know it's completely unrealistic so it take removes all enjoyment for me well i'm going to give this film a lot of credit for the method that it chooses to destroy this film but uh, i have to say it isn't actually a wholly uh, original method of uh, blowing up a helicopter because uh, there is a sequence in a film uh, a straight to video film from uh, the 80s called final score now this starred uh, chris mitchum the son of uh, robert mitchum and uh, at the end of that uh, movie chris mitchum rides on a motorcycle off the top of a building and he also goes through Uh, a a hovering helicopter uh, so that he can drop a grenade into the fuselage of the chopper before the whole thing sort of blows up now this is obviously done in the 80s so 
no CGI whatsoever. So it's wow. all done, all done practically. So, uh, you what know. Is that? Have you seen that, Will? Have you seen that sequence? What does that look like? Uh, it, it, it looks good. I have to say, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's not. This is this is this is a straight to video movie from the eighties. I mean, it's a really okay. low budget straight to uh-huh. video movie. So you know, they are not. Uh, you know, it's not filmed in. You know, as you would. It, it's not filmed in a way it would if it was. This was a kind of you know a big budget. Yeah. You know, eighties Hollywood action movie. But it is a still very good sequence, and you have to admire the. You know how they put it all together. Exactly. You know, on a limited budget with practical yeah. effects. I, this is, and that's my point. So I probably I haven't seen that clip, but I bet you I'd enjoy that more than this. Well, Dara, I you know I can make that wish come true. We can always review it for our <gasps> <No>! next movie. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> okay, well I think we're going to uh, wrap things up there. So that's our discussion of Ultraviolet done and dusted. Dara, thanks for uh, for joining me once again. That's all right. I'm going to have a very stiff drink and let my blood pressure settle now. Okay. Well, just a few things from me. Don't forget to check out uh, our website, explodinghelicopter.com. Leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a retweet. Shout out on Facebook. Help spread the word about what we're doing. It really does help. We'll be back soon. But until then, keep watching the skies for those exploding helicopters. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. She's saved the world from total annihilation. She's fought off hordes of flesh-eating creatures. And now she's taking on a ruthless government. In the new sci-fi film, Ultraviolet, I don't think I need to say any more, ladies and gentlemen. Mila Jovovich is here. Mila, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Leave it here. I was, uh... Thank you. I was uh, just vacuum packed, so I'm a little frazzled. I kind of saw the end yeah. bit of that, and yeah. I was just like, oh, the part where I was completely out of the... air and dying. Kind of, yeah. and but you said it was it was fun. I, it looks good. You know, the, your life flashed before your eyes, and I saw you, and I knew this interview was coming up, and I just had to get out of the bag, because I got to say, you you my friend are a geek icon. I mean, I don't know if you're aware of this, but between Thank Fifth you. Element, Resident Evil, and Ultraviolet, you, like, you're on the same nerd pedestal as Darth Vader for most people. Yes. And is that a big deal? How does that feel to you? Um, it's awesome. I mean, I have to say I was a big uh, fan of sci-fi and fantasy growing up. So I guess, you know, I was kind of a geek too. Ah. Now, do you understand? Like, what is it about geeks that they, they like a woman who can, who can totally <laughs> kick their ass? And why is that? The geek spurt here. Yeah, I'm curious because, you know, you are appealing to them. And is it just because, that, like, the thought that while you're beating them up, you'd actually physically be touching them? Or is there something else going on here? Well, I don't know. You don't feel excited by thinking about a beautiful woman kind of messing you around. I, I like getting roughed up by the ladies every now and then. I don't think don't it's, get me like, wrong, but... exclusive to geeks, you know? <laughs> it's just, oh, so it's guys in general. <laughs> See, that's all I know. That's all I know. Browse my MySpace. It's nothing but geeks. Uh, I want to talk about the ultraviolet because I'm, I'm driving home from work. Uh, your midriff is not only perfectly sculpted, <laughs> but it is everywhere. It's everywhere. I'm driving down Venice Boulevard and every billboard and, and bus shelter. It's just, there you are with a sword. And, and it's added like another Ooh. seven and a half minutes to my commute. So thank you for that. <laughs> 
But but that aside, you know, I'm sold. Thank Just the, the poster with, the, again, the midriff and the sword, I'm sold. Well, but I'm listen, it wasn't easy, let me tell you. I mean, I had like seven months of training uh, to get ready for this film.